What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I am so stoked today because I got a dude on who is just incredible, badass, and deep, and just all the things that are amazing for entrepreneurs and relationships and life, and just incredible. You know, so he has spent 447 hours with Tony Robbins too. That was like the biggest stat that was just insane to me. And today we're talking about how you find your genius within Mike Zeller. Mike, what's shaking? Dude, excited to be here, my friend. Uh, you know, I'm honored always to connect with brilliant fellow entrepreneurs like yourself. So this is a highlight of my day. Uh, I was reading your bio, brother. And, you know, because we've known each other now for maybe about a year or so, right? And yeah. just, just talked here and there and just really connected in person by mistake. Like, like about two <laughs> months ago, it, or by coincidence, I would say, but yeah. probably not mistake. But when we started talking, it's like, oh my gosh, there's just so much that we can d- talk about between the two of us. You know, it's, no it's, doubt. So you've got all your successes, bro, right? You know, because I, I see you've got, you've generated over a hundred million in revenue across 16 different endeavors, which like any serial entrepreneur, it's a crazy amount of things, right? Fashion, real estate, automotive, <laughs> marketing, coaching, a whole bunch of things, right? Where was, I'm curious, because where was the low point and specifically like the tipping point to come out of that low point? You know, I had, I would say there's really two low points, um, two significant ones. One in 2013, you know, I, I was engaged and uh, technically legally married to a, a French girl. And in in the season of living abroad, we ran into some legal complications uh, around immigration. And my businesses just kind of hit the gutter. I had about three different businesses at the time. And I was flying back and forth from Argentina once a month. And, uh, man, they were in the gutter at one point and, and I had to fly back. I was brokenhearted when we decided to end our, our relationship and my businesses were not producing any income really for the next four months. So it took me four months to get them back on their legs. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so <laughs> I was literally bouncing from house to house of friends for a little bit for a few months, even though I owned I owned three properties, but they were all rented out. And, uh, and so I had a few, few friends that were gracious enough to, you know, let me bounce for a week or two here or there. And then finally uh, another buddy moved in with him. That was a former client. Wow. And that was, tough. it was a remaking of my soul and remaking of my path. And, and I don't know if you've been through a season like that, but that was, that was the first major one. Yeah, brother. I have been through a couple seasons like that. Cause I think they're, I wouldn't call them cyclical in our lives, but the those low points, because it, if they're cyclical, that's bad, right? Because you're always coming yeah. back to the same point, but you could have similar situations and take your learnings from the previous low point and apply it to where you're at right now. What you were saying there is, I've seen this a lot, right? Experienced it myself too, that relationships can freaking devastate you. Yeah. Right? When they're, when they're bad and it's not just affecting you as a person, as your soul, like it, it, it's like this ripple effect that affects everything outside of you too. And mm-hmm. that's why it's so key to lock those in. But you know, that, that all sounds great and cliche, you know, it's like, Hey, lock in good relationships, get surrounded with good people. <laughs> Let's play Instagram yes. coach. Right. <laughs> so, but, but can we, open that up a little more 
Yeah, please share of your personal experiences too. But what are your thoughts around that? Like around having those key relationships. The part of your book's about this too, right? Yeah, one of the one of the yeah. pillars. Exactly, it's one of the four main pillars, and you know, in those personal life relationships, when you're going through that, um, what I see happen is is like, man, your soul is grieving, and your soul or your emotional center is the birthplace or the genesis of a lot of our ideas, our creativity. And if it's just bone dry, if it's a desert because it's aching and it's grieving then it's hard to generate. It's hard to create. It's hard to birth something new until you move through the grieving season. Uh, but, you know, then when you move through the grieving season, part of what actually helps you is relationships. In fact, I think uh, one of the crazy things is uh, one of the reasons women rebound a lot faster from uh, broken relationships is because they have a lot more significant relationships with mm. intimacy men we have a lot fewer so if we it takes an average man uh, about twice as long as an average woman to rebound from a divorce or broken engagement whatever and 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 so it's it's such a centerpiece but then also i look at relationships in terms of the genius and clues for your genius uh relationships they really indicate based on who gives you life versus death. So you, you do an inventory of like the people in your life that you just enjoy being around. Like you're like, Hey, I could spend more time with that guy or that girl. Uh, and, or I, dude, I can't, I can't spend another day, another hour. I don't want to have lunch with that person again. <laughs> it's like my soul dies if I'm around those sorts of people or whatever. So um, just being honest with that. But then if like now I have almost zero people in my life, barring some occasional uh, annoying family members, maybe, but I have almost zero people in my life, at least in my choices and even family members are choice to some extent that bring me death. Almost all the people are like yourself where they're expansive, they're brilliant, they're up to something good with their life, they expand me, they help me dream bigger, challenge me, we get to have deep conversations. So it's really, really important. It's one of the most, probably three most important things in your life is your relationships. Wow. You really hit a chord with me there. Is it like you, the bone dryness of when you have those people that are just like death, right? Because it, yeah. it's, it's almost like a, I think of like the matrix, right? And, and do you remember now I'm showing that I'm 42 years old, right? Uh, you know, I'm 42 too. Yeah, so we're sweet. Good. <laughs> <laughs> remember when he puts his hand in the mirror, right? And, and then yeah. he, he just gets covered by all that goo and everything, you know, that just like consumes him. But in his case, that was good because he was breaking free. You know, mm -hmm. but, but that's like the, how I envision when you're around bad people, it's not like they're even like, sucking energy out of you it can literally be like they're consuming you and yeah. preventing anything else good from getting inside you yeah yeah and it's and you know at the end of the day sometimes they're not quote bad people they're just not aligned yeah true right they're like if you get a group of accountants together they're having a ton of fun as a group of accountants a group of lawyers ton of fun Group of uh, government workers, ton of fun. Group of entrepreneurs, ton of fun. Entrepreneurs and accountants or entrepreneurs and, and salaried lifetime government employees, probably not going to be a great mix. Neither one of us are going to be like, uh, I, don't, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know what to do with you either. You're, <laughs> you're, 
So, let's know, go to the bar and watch some sports where we don't have to talk, you know, or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> Which that's an interesting point, you know, because you know, and this is, I'm sure there's a lot of people that love doing that, right? But that's never been one of my things either, because I, I much prefer the the conversations. You know, yeah. and, and I say this is a this is a total tangent, you know. But if if I ever go to a restaurant that has a TV, and I hate going to restaurants with TVs in them because it's like a natural thing, like your eyes are drawn to it and away from the individuals that that you're there trying to connect with. But that's almost yeah. like an analogy to the distraction, and it's like in that environment, TV is <laughs> the death versus you know another person being in your life and distracting you away from things that will provide life. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's like the and it nourishes our soul. And then like the deep seeks the deep, and the shallow. Those who want to swim in the shallow, they there's there's enough people and lanes for the shallow. Um, but I think there's also you know you look at intentionality. Most people, it, it's something that hit me uh, about ten years ago on my goals. I would set goals at the beginning of the year, and I get twenty or thirty friends, and we create a vision board. And I was like. I, I, at the center of my goals, you know, you would, I would have like four or five different quadrants, you know, relationships, financial, or I'd say, you know, romantic, financial, uh, emotional, adventure, whatever. And then right in the center, I would put the top 10, top 10 people that could change your life if you spend more time with them. Who do you want to invest more time with? Who would you, who would your life be immensely better if you spent more time with them? And I realized like no one, set goals like that or at least i hadn't seen anyone set where like they put right in the center of their goal setting activities these are the people i'm going to go deep with because these people bring me life and these people will help me fulfill the vision that i have the desires and longings and the dreams that i have in my heart and just taking ownership of like hey you know what's okay for me to say you know what i want to i want to spend more time with this person and a little bit less time with this negative nancy over here yeah, for sure. That's an incredible process, man. That's a, and you bring others into that process too. Did I hear that right? Yeah. Yeah. At that time I would get people together and we do a vision board and we do like a three hour goal setting exercise and just totally free. And I, I was, you know, uh, so I was in a real estate game at that point. And, uh, so I didn't do any coaching or mentoring, uh, on an official level, but I was still doing it recreationally. That's incredible, man. Yeah, I can only imagine some of the things that came out of those times. Just uh, oh, sitting yeah. with people and <laughs> did you, I also think some of the hilarity of it, right? If you're looking at somebody else's board, you're like, wait, I'm not in your circle. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I bring you death? What? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Thanks for laughing with me, dude. <laughs> cool. We're all here together just trying to create this amazing thing and we're not in each other's circles. What's going on? <laughs> You know what? I'm not valuable to you. What? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, man, a hundred million in revenue across 16 endeavors. You know, mm-hmm. what's the one that's produced the most for you? What's the one that's produced the least? And there's that's a good question. I mean, my car dealership, and we were doing roughly about 30 million a year in revenue. So, altogether, that business did. Um, in my time of ownership, we probably did 140 to 200 million dollars in revenue. Um, 
But the thing I loved about that is we also gave away uh, cars to single mothers in need. So we gave away over $300,000 worth of cars and 36 plus cars uh, to people in need and partnered with four, four or five different nonprofits uh, to identify the most worthy recipients. We, we want to identify givers, not takers. Um, that were the most giving causes at like these homeless shelters, family-based homeless shelters or women's ministries. And, and, uh, so I loved that. And that was, that was the first time I saw myself more fully as a business architect because I was architecting out the vision and the brand identity and, and designing really the team and designing, Hey, like, uh, it, it's where I, I got early practice on, uh, different people have different strengths and different wiring and and you got to put people in the right positions. It's like, even though, you know, if you don't like sports, like you guys uh, come from Chicago, Michael Jordan's dream team. Oh my God. Like when they, yeah. Right. Dennis Rodman. You don't want Dennis Rodman taking the shot at the end of the game, especially <laughs> a three pointer. Even Jordan, Jordan's going to take the shot. Maybe Pippen is a follow up or John Paxson or Steve Kerr. But Jordan's got the killer instinct to close the game out. And, um, and so it's in, in business. I mean, you, I'm, I, I'm curious to know more about your failures as well and, and, and your big wins. But uh, I think almost every time that I've seen a business, whether my own or friends, were really hummed, it's first who, then what, and getting them in the right positions. Mm-hmm. Extraordinary, extraordinary results consistently is preceded by great people in extraordinarily right positions over and over. Wow. How do you identify when, when, you know, if it's a good person, but they're just in the wrong position and, and what can you do about that? Yeah. Uh, if, first of all, you can look at certain, each role has a different sort of skill sets needed. For example, project managers are probably going to love detail, follow up, follow through. Uh, great salespeople, I've found, they're typically a very high DI on the disk profile, um, meaning 80 and above on D and I, in minimum, um, for extraordinary, and then typically at least 60 above and above for D and I if they're really good. Um, and then other things like, you know, you're probably, I don't know what your profile exactly is, but I'm a creator on the wealth dynamics, which is my favorite, uh, personality test that shows you your natural pathway for building wealth. Like some people are like a Lord. You look at a, look at a, um, uh, who would be a good Lord Carnegie or Andrew Carnegie or Rockefeller, where they yeah. did the same thing for their whole life. Basically they're, they're Lord. Like they just build this empire creators. Steve jobs did this. Steve now Steve jobs with an apple had so many different companies. He would have been bored out on his Elon Musk is creating a new company every other yeah, month. For sure. Yep. On Twitter, he just decides to tweet something and <laughs> creates a new company. <laughs> or invest in Twitter and then, you know, make $750 million on it overnight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a bad play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so I think there's, there's patterns to pop. And what I'll typically do with executives or leaders, like I did one uh, last week, uh, actually several in the last few weeks, um, but we'll do a deep assessment of their core team and yeah. leadership team. Like, for example, one of the guys I, I work with, he's got a massive podcast, big public brand. He wants to get his company into a billion dollars, but he's, uh, he's, his, there's plateauing. And it's ultimately because 
he's out of place in his genius. He's a brilliant promoter, amazing promoter. If I, when I did his in, uh, strings finder uh, profile test, all, all like seven out of his top 10 were all influence. Wow. But almost not, none of his top 10 were in the execution side. And then the next step for him to solve his problem is to identify, does he have A players as executors on his team, hmm. especially in his leadership team? Because I'm not sure he does. And, and then, then we would start recruiting, developing, or uh, realigning certain team members and himself. You know, we, we all need to be aligned more deeply. He, he, as we did our session, we did his own genius day. And, and when we came out of it, he's like, man, I'm not, he, he doesn't hardly do anything that he loves. Yeah. It's like he, 10% of what he does in a given week is what is deepest zone of genius and what really brings him life. Wow. That's misaligned completely. You yeah. mentioned a couple of profile tests uh, today already. There was disc, right? Then there was uh, a yeah. uh, strength finder, which I know there was a wealth one you mentioned in there too. I had not wealth heard dynamics, of it. Wealth yeah. dynamics. Interesting. Yeah. So my full process is really four, it measures four different areas. And it's basically if you accumulate, accumulate all the data from these four different areas, one, your unique talents, which is where I do all the personality tests, strings finder, Myers-Briggs, Colby index, wealth dynamics, and disc profile. You can throw an Enneagram or another test as a bonus. Uh, but then second area is your defining life experiences. Like we know Michael Jordan, Cut from the high school basketball team at age 16. Yeah. Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt grew up with uh, asthma. And in the 1800s, asthma, even his own father thought he was destined to be a weakling. Yeah. He's like, no, the obstacle is the way. I'm going to overcome that. I'm going to train outdoors so hard, so strong. And eventually he overcame it. A, uh, later in his teenage years, 18, he's strong as an ox. And he's and then gets married, age 22, wife having first baby. She dies right after giving birth. Second, second er, death happens 24 hours later. His mom dies 24 hours later. That's when he does grieves by going into the wilderness of South Dakota and hunts for six months. Hands off his baby daughter to his aunt because he's like, I don't know what to do with a baby daughter. I'm, I just lost the two most important women in my life. And I've already lost my dad to cancer, fighting against corruption. Yeah. And he goes off, boom, finds himself again, comes back, falls in love even more with nature. Guess when he does his U.S. president eventually, preserves more national parks than any other president in history. He had these defining life moments that pointed to the future. You know, Steve Jobs said you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can connect them looking backwards. Well, I think you can see the next few dots if you know uh, how to connect the dots looking backwards. I'm with you on that, man, for sure. And I like how you said the next few dots as well, because you can never see all the dots. Uh, I, I yeah. think that we would, <laughs> if we saw all the dots, we would probably self-sabotage every single one of them if we knew <laughs> that that was actually going to be what our destiny is. <laughs> because yeah. we'd see it like, well, there's no way in hell. You know, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't. And then these self-limiting beliefs take over when we actually know the entire path. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, I don't know about you, but it's like, even I've been through enough failures and mistakes as an entrepreneur that I still have some almost like muscle trauma and yeah. memory around it. And 
but I'm still irrationally optimistic enough that I'm, <laughs> I'm going to keep going. <laughs> and I, I don't see the, the challenges and the wounds ahead just like I didn't see them 15 years ago. Um, I see them a little bit more so, but not entirely. Otherwise, if I did, I, w- yeah. I would stop in my tracks because it's the hardest freaking thing in the world to really grow and start your own business. Yeah, no kidding, man. It really is. You know, th- th- there's stuff in your book about this too, right? Isn't you know about how people sabotage their own dreams? Yeah. What do you see about yeah. that? Yeah, I think uh, I don't know if you find in your own life or life of others, your friends, people you work with, but the two biggest saboteurs of our dreams. Actually, I'll put a third one. Unhealed trauma is definitely one. Like my wife, for example, suffered a lot of abuse as a child. We're actively, proactively doing about three or four different modalities to heal her of that trauma. I'm releasing some trauma of mistakes, losing a million dollars and this or that, you know, different things. Um, And then uh, so the trauma is, is a big piece. And because it becomes it's almost like a muscle memory that gets trapped in your body. Uh, and so it's, it, it, there's an involuntary reaction. It's why, um, you know, our, our minds are like so brilliant at storing things mm. and the human being can store things for and replay them for decades versus when I, I was a kid, my dad didn't let us watch MTV and those type things. We didn't have cable. We got to watch nature shows at night. So we'd watch this, you know, lion chasing a wildebeest. And then catch the wildebeest and be hauling it off. And then somehow that wildebeest was still alive. And then escape out of the jaws of the lion and run away. And the lion was too tired to chase it. Well, that wildebeest, they would show the wildebeest. Literally two minutes later, it's eating grass. And you're like, <laughs> I mean, the if same I'm, thing. <laughs> yeah, if I'm almost dead from a lion, I'm not eating grass two minutes later. I'm going to be thinking about that lion for years. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) 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 I think, I I mean, you mentioned you lost a million dollars. I lost a half a million a few years back, you know, but that wasn't the first thing I did. Like, I'm going to go out for some steak right now and (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to eat my dinner, you know, (laughs) like I don't want to eat. I just, I just sucked ass, you know, like the worst in my life. I don't want to do anything. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's both the blessing and the curse of being human. Yeah, where we, we can create and imagine things that have yet to be created, like Walt Disney World or Walt Disney died before Disney World was open. Yeah, but he saw Disney World for years before anyone else saw it. It was all in his head. He was living it. He was experiencing it. He was dreaming it. He was tasting it. Right. Um. So, uh, you know, the second genius blocker, I think, is, is perfectionism. Perfectionism where we just, it, it handcuffs us, handcuffs us, and handcuffs our, our progress. And then the third one is uh, procrastination, which is, I call it the twin sister of perfectionism. Yeah. So, they're the evil twin sisters because procrastination is really sometimes disguised as perfectionism. Um, but one of the big shifts that helped me is this concept called 80%, the 80% approach or what happens in uh, like uh, GE Six Sigma approach, um, which is platinum standard for manufacturing excellence is they, they, they want to make six iterations of 80% improvement. 
Wow. And what happens is your mind relaxes of like, oh, I don't have to get all the way to 100%. I just make an 80% improvement. It just has to be better. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Dude, that is so freeing. And just say, I don't fall. This isn't really me about perfectionism. You know, there might have been like one or two things, maybe in my, maybe in my life. But for me, it's like, hey, you know, it's, you've heard the saying, I'm sure perfection hinders progress, right? You can choose one or the other. (laughs) But with that, individuals that dive into perfection i'm just not really sure how they even get to that mode to where they get stuck in it to begin with it's it's difficult for me to conceptualize you know because it's it's freeing man when you're like just make it better you know and and you don't even know what better looks like it just doesn't look like where you're at right now yeah yeah i think there's in our culture western culture and other parts of the world too but uh, we've got a, a struggle with what I call the middle-class mindset, which is avoid failure at all costs. Trauma, trauma comes from embarrassing the family, getting bad grades in school and whatever, making a mistake. You don't want to make mistakes. And that's, that's part of the middle-class mindset is like only do what you can, like you're likely to succeed at versus, uh, the billionaire mindset. Uh, Sarah Blakely is a good example. Do you know what her, her dad used to ask her and her brother uh, every day at dinner? No. What did you fail at today? <laughs> I love it. And then you know what they had to do if they didn't fail at anything? They had to go out and fail at something before they could go to bed. And so they would have to go and try a new skill, try something else, do something new, and get comfortable, with, which had just programmed their comfort around failure. That failure is not the enemy. Failure is progress. So it's a re-patterning and association, new association around failure. So anyway, that's uh, that that helped me. It helps me like repattern myself after failures too. <laughs> that's so powerful, man. Absolutely powerful, right? And I'm sure imposter syndrome gets stuck into all three of these areas too. You write about that as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah imposter syndrome... I think the the real imposter more often than not is our current reality mm. that our highest self, the self that we know we're capable of, that we long to be the dreams that are placed within us. They didn't come from us. So if they didn't come from us, where do they come from, maybe God, universe, whatever, but they were placed within us. You know, I, I've read probably about 30 different biographies from Washington to Frederick Douglass to Martin Luther King to uh, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, you know, all those guys, Warren Buffett, Rockefeller. uh, And what happens is lots of times these guys had a big dream. It was there. And they were just, we know their names because they were courageous enough to pursue it and to not give up. And they had that resilience, that fail forwardness. Um, and, and I think there's, we, we have to have that. We have to feed that. We have to feed what we want to live, starve what we want to die and, and, and just really embrace this higher level self. Because what if, what if our current person, the person that is playing small, that is showing up right now, I ask that of myself because there's smallness. I call it the disease of small itis. I'm, I'm eradicating small itis from my life. It's still there. But I continually fight that pestilence. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And if I can do that, if I can conquer smallitis, I can show up because the person that is showing up today, what if that is the real imposter? That's mind blowing. As you're talking about the smallitis, it's almost, I think there's probably, or there could be both external and internal versions of that. Yeah. You know, cause it, it, we've got our own self-limiting beliefs, but then there's the limiting beliefs of those are around. This is coming full circle, man, you know, back to the, those 10 people, you know? And, yeah. And it should be, cause I, I suffer from it. You know, I'm sure you do. And it's like yeah. a constant chipping away at the small itis from whatever our mm -hmm. upbringing was, whatever our, our situation was, or we, maybe we had a trauma come up, you know, at some point in life, this knocked us back a little bit. We had some more attached onto us just yeah. to prove that see this bad shit does happen. Look at that. You got to protect yourself from here on out. Yeah. yeah. And we don't go back out eating the grass two minutes later, like we talked about either, but the, the external versus the internal small itis. You know, because mm -hmm. we're never going to get away from people in general. In fact, I love being around people, man. It's what I enjoy yeah. doing the most, you know. That's why we're yeah. doing this today. You know? right. But we can't control them. Mm -hmm. We can control how it affects us, though. Yeah. Yeah. So do we allow it to connect and amplify our own struggles that we're working with? Or we can actually use it to shine a light onto our own stuff and say, no, uh, this, this is stupid. I don't need this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it also reflects back how important it is to also choosing that 10 people because your 10 people, the way, the way I like to think of my 10 people that I spend the most time with, um, it's like they are my gravity. And so are they the gravity that pulls me up? Like gravity can be, can reverse. It can pull you up because, you know, you think of, think of a, a lottery winner loses their tens of millions they won in the lottery. Well, it's gravity pulled them down because they, they had that identity of poverty mindset or middle-class mindset or whatever. And that's why the average 74% of lottery winners are bankrupt within three and a half years. Right on. Same with a lot of pro athletes. But then you at, look at the multimillionaire that was self-made that lost his wealth, his or her wealth, then remade themselves. Typically, they'll remake themselves in one fifth of the time period that it took them and then some and like their wealth and their income and all that will go way up proportionally wow. um, because their identity pulled them up, but also their peer group and their circle. So it's so important to find, hey, define who I want in that peer group. Because they're, they're, they're like, re, they're my mirrors back to me. They're reinforcing. Like I had in my second rough period, I had friends that said, Mike, you know what? God's letting you go through this because you're meant to be a king. You're meant to handle this. You got this. And this is, and I, I felt that. I was like, you yeah. know what? That's true. And, and uh, so choosing those people your, your people, your peers that you intentionally create or unintentionally create are your mirrors back to you. And they're either your gravity up or your gravity down. It's mind blowing, man. Heart, heart throbbing, mind blowing. This is oh, a, thanks. I love the deepness. I love the deepness. Well, thanks I brother. Think, I think back to the, you know, I, I said 500 K it was that, you know, the half a million and, and with your million and thinking about that too. Cause I mean, it, it took maybe, five years prior to that to get to the point to where I could even, if you want to call it, afford 
<laughs> to lose that, right? And, and it, I don't call it that way because it didn't ruin me, right? And, no. But it did put me in a really, really, really low point. But that is literally because it took really just five months after that to rebuild. It took five mm-hmm. years to get to that point and crash down to nothing and then just five months to rebuild. Mm-hmm. And I think about the timing in there too, because it was within that five months where I, I even signed the, the paperwork with the consulting team to take my company public. You know, it, wow. it, it, it's crazy as, a, as I'm recognizing this, you know, as you think back about that, you know, that low point of losing a million, what happened like right after that for you in the months after? You know, I went during that period is really 2018. I, I got married as well during that season. So it was like shuttering. I was closing down a couple old businesses, really. My car dealership, old identities. I was shedding old identities. Think of a, you know, caterpillar turning into a butterfly. It's like a purge, I was, right? I did the same, yeah. man, with people. And yeah, yep. And it was rough. It, it was, it, frankly, I, I think I went through... The first two years were the hardest, um, but now like I'm back on the upswing and it feels good. It feels really, and I'm more aligned and I feel like the, the hundred million dollar venture or billion dollar venture is there for me. The best selling books are there for me. The films, the documentaries, the movies that I want to get from my wife's books, they're all there uh, and I can see them and I wouldn't have. And I have that resilience. Like it's like I've been through boot camp. Yeah, a longer and much more arduous boot camp. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not David Goggins running on broken feet, um, but um, <laughs> I'm, I, you know, yeah. I, got, I got an entrepreneur resilience at least. Yeah. There is something to that, man. I don't know if you want to call anything a disease. That might be. Right? Yeah. That, I'm happy to have that one. <laughs> yes, yes. If you exactly. want if you want to call it a deficiency of negativity or something like that, I don't know. I like that <laughs> phrase. <laughs> it's the first time that ever came out of my mouth. We're booking that one. <laughs> well, you know, I listened to ironically a sports podcast and the host Colin Coward said he's never met a billionaire who isn't an optimist because he just can't become a billionaire and be a pessimist. You'll never make their uh, courageous and foolish steps and risk and, yeah. and faith that you got to make. Dude, I would even, that's beautiful. I would even add on to that. You'll never make it there if you're a realist. Yeah. Because that, mean, reality is literally what's happening right now. That's it. That's it. It it has no bearing on the future whatsoever. You can make an immediate shift tomorrow and anything and everything changes for the better. Yeah. Yeah. And you think let's, let's rewind our, our reality four years, 2018, 2019. Elon Musk is almost bankrupt with all of his companies. SpaceX is on his last of the last rocket launches if this one doesn't work and third and like he kept on having to get his investors to re-up even though they said that was the last one and they're like all right you know sunk cost bias kicked in and got finally a successful rocket launch tesla was on the brink of disaster solar city barely hanging on um now he's the world's wealthiest a man uh, after Putin uh, has lost his <laughs> or whatever, you know, just four and years later. That's it. Yeah. Four just years. Four years. <laughs> yeah. Now he, everything he touches turns to gold. Yeah. So thank God he wasn't a realist. 
<laughs> exactly. I mean, think about it. He's trying to solve the save the planet and also colonize Mars. Who in their right mind are you? Freaking. Who are you, Elon? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Dude, this is incredible. I love our conversation, man. This is maybe the first of many, I think. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Brother, your book is The Genius Within. And I've only looked at a portion of it so far, but what I see is just incredible. You know, it's on Amazon, it's on everywhere. And we can find you. Is it is the best platform facebook or instagram either one are great uh also on youtube tiktok uh, linkedin all under the mike zeller i love it brother thanks so much for coming on man you know what uh, one more thing i want to hit one more thing okay before we head out 447 hours with tony robbins so it just so happened right i i've I've known about Tony. I've seen some of his stuff for years, right? I even remember his cameo in Shallow Hal. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty funny, you know, sitting in the elevator. But it was, yeah. that was with Gwyneth Paltrow. I can't even remember who she starred with in that, who Shallow Hal actually was. But either was it way, Jack Black or something? I thought it was, wasn't it? I think it was Jack yeah, Black, right. but I, I don't know. Anyways, um, that was actually when I was introduced to Tony Robbins. I'm like, who the heck is this guy? You know, so you're talking like a decade ago or something like that. But mm-hmm. looking at a lot of his materials since then, just incredible, right? I actually got to see him live for the first time just last year in September, which was mm-hmm. powerful, you know, and then no joke, like just yesterday, no Wi-Fi on the on the plane. Right, because it was like this regional international jet coming back from Canada. You know, of course, I'm a little bummed. I'm like, I had stuff to get done. I got all these ideas and everything, but I'm like, I got nothing. You know, everything's in in Google Drive and, and all this stuff. So I, I open up my iPad. I'm like, HBO. I don't have anything downloaded. Right then, I go to Netflix. Somehow, some way, it was like three months ago, and I never watched it. I had downloaded his documentary. I'm not your yeah. guru, and I'm sitting there okay. right. And it was like, it was a regional jet. I actually sat in the very back row, which was interesting because it was a booked last minute full flights and I'm sitting there and it's like my ears are, or my eyes are tearing up mm-hmm. as I'm watching this because I'm seeing people's lives being changed in an instant. And it's a lot of it is literally what we've been talking about today was mm-hmm. the stuff that was getting in their way in, in their life. You know, and, and I'm not talking the, the, the suicidal people because that's something totally different, different level still came back to trauma, like hardcore trauma, right. but 447 hours, man, that's, that's gotta be life changing. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually, you know, over the time it ended up being over 1447 hours and it was like, and I was actually in that uh, film. Wow. That I'm not your guru. What? And I didn't see you. <laughs> yeah, I had a buzz cut back then. You can see me in the audience in a few spots. Um, but man, th- in that experience, for example, I know people that were in that film, the tall Mateus guy that was suicidal. Yeah. I, I was there live seeing this guy and, and felt his pain and saw his pain. Four or five years later, like we're Facebook friends. We messaged a bunch on Facebook. He's still in a whole different headspace. Healed up a lot of his relationships, healed up different things and shows up in a powerful magnetic way. And, and it partly my experience with Tony is Tony really hammers on identity and the power of belief and your, and this belief inside you, inside you to find you, help you find it. 
And it helped me formulate that really it's your identity that precedes your destiny. That's why it's so important to work on that inner identity so that your outer world, it's almost like, hey, if my identity is over here, my reality is over here. Well, if I keep my identity over here, eventually it will force my reality to catch up. It's just going to pull it up or it's going to pull it down like that lottery winner example. They pull it down because their identity says, oh, it's not safe. This is not right. I don't know what to do with this money. Yeah. And I didn't earn it. I didn't build the muscle to get it. Boom. I'm going to get rid of it. Incredible. And so over and over, healthy relationships, marriages. Why do, why do people that came from unhealthy relational patterns reenter unhealthy relational patterns and stay in that cycle unless they break it, which is really hard to do? It's because their identity is still back there. Man, that's incredible. You start with like, I am right is your identity. Yeah. And I've, I've heard people try to fill the, in those blanks, you know, and even after years of work that I've done on myself too, you know, at the beginning, it's like, you have to keep going deeper. You have to keep going deeper because that yeah. I am always almost starts at surface level, you know, because yeah. it becomes like a quality and it's almost like you're, you're, you're viewing yourselves through the filter of everybody else in the world or like, yeah. or like the cog that you think you play at your job or, or you think you are even a cog in your marriage, right? Or, or, or a cog as a, as a parent even. And that's you, your mm-hmm. I am statement. It's like, sure, you are a father. You are a husband. You are a, an employee. You are an entrepreneur, entrepreneur. You are a friend. You are all these things. But that's not your I am. Yeah. Your I am is tied to your purpose. Yeah. So good. And in what you're talking about, your I am is tied to your purpose. And sometimes when you go through seasons of transition, like you look at the great resignation, you look through our seasons of reset, you know, whether it's relationally, marriage, business wise, whatever, when you go through those seasons of reset, there's a gift of the pain. And in one of the ways to shed this old identity and step into your more powerful identity is to ask your alter ego ask the part of you that is letting go that like letting go of this old story this old identity that was leading your life and 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 part of it like when i went through 2018 i had i named my disempowering alter ego i named him weak ass willie i asked myself (laughs) i asked my heart love it what, (laughs) what is the name of your disempowering alter ego, the person that is causing you to play small or to hide. Because I, I wanted to be, I wanted to tuck my tail. Yeah. Like I was tucking my tail between my legs. I was like, ah, that idea is not going to get me to where I know I'm meant to be. Yeah. Not going to get me to my destiny. So what's the intent of weak ass Willie? Weak ass Willie wants to protect me from embarrassment, from shame, from making other mistakes. He has good intent. All right. Yeah, I literally, you visualize and meditate. I have this on one of my YouTube uh, sessions called Claim Your Power. And it's an NLP session. And, and it's meditation where we actually work on the subconscious and rewire your subconscious on the spot so that you identify your disempowering alter ego. And then you anchor in. I was like, hey, what's the par- part of me that is going to lead me into the next chapter of my life? And it was Magic Mike. <laughs> and I had a, Dude, that's awesome <laughs> yeah that was the words that came to mind yeah. now i got a hollywood mike z the entertainer and all this stuff and i was like all right 
and like literally now every morning, actually I'll play it for you. I'll play a second. Um, here we go. Every morning I play this meditation. I'm glad we didn't stop 10 minutes ago. Uh, I know, yeah, right? Yep. Yeah, so this, I play my meditation or my affirmations because I am is literally one of the most powerful phrases in the universe. Yeah. And, and something I just learned recently, the ancient Egyptians actually had it written in their language, of course, in the hieroglyphics on the temple walls, all their temples had it. And then Moses, and when he interacts with, you know, Jehovah or God, he, uh, you know, Moses asked God on Mount Sinai, what's your name? He said, the great I am. They knew the Hebrew people at that point knew that phrase, the I am. He's the great I am. And that, so then you look at guys like Muhammad Ali. What's he write? At the time, his name is Cassius Clay. Yeah. He writes this poem in 1964, six months before he fights as a seven to one underdog. One of the biggest upsets in boxing history fights Sonny Liston and wins. And he wrote this poem six months before that said, I am the greatest. And he just goes on and on and on. And then he renamed himself two weeks after he beat Sonny Liston to Muhammad Ali. And he's like, Cassius Clay, that's a slave name. I'm not a slave anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm moving into this new destiny. That's where I'm going. So yeah, how you think about yourself is who you become. And that's why, you, but we start our day. I don't know about you, but I wake up kind of in a, I don't wake up in a great headspace every morning. I'm yeah. not all pumped up. I'm not David Goggins ready to go, you know, run 32 miles or something. I'm, I gotta like, uh, just get do the lazy way and have have a replay <laughs> that tells me who I am. So here we go. I'm just gonna play 20 seconds of it. Yeah. I am Magic Mike. I am a wealth magnet. I am attracting, earning, and saving millions of dollars. I am worthy of extraordinary levels of success. I am a powerful force for good. So like, it just goes on for two minutes and I say it out loud. I'll often be looking in the mirror. It's 6 a.m., 5 a.m., on an airplane, whatever. I'm listening and thinking it and meditating on it. You know, 98% of the mornings and it anchors me in so that I'm, I'm telling my mind where I'm going. If I don't, I'm going downhill. <laughs> dude, that's powerful. That's amazing. No, oh, thanks, dude. Well... I guess that's where we stop today because that's just an, that's an amazing, amazing way to, to close us out. Mike, thank you for being on, brother. Absolutely incredible. Uh, thanks for having me, Rick. And, uh, and for your audience, if you guys want to pick up a copy of the book, I have it for free at GeniusWithinBook.com or you can text GeniusU to 474747 if you're in the U.S. Um, and you'll get that book, uh, a free download plus option to pick up the book for free. Just cover shipping and handling. But uh, dude, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Can't wait to connect more. 